0: I was three years old because I was born in 1990. One of the years we were going down to Florida to see my grandparents, and I had this little toy keyboard with me, you know, real small, like maybe 10 or 15 keys or so. I was just sort of fooling around at first, but then my parents were like, hey, Andrew, can you maybe play a tune or something? And this is where things probably may sound crazy, but they had the radio on the Christmas station. And I think the particular song I was playing was Jingle Bells. Well, I sort of stopped, I paused a little bit, and then started playing along with it, naturally, you know, what was on the radio, and my parents are going, he's playing Jingle Bells.
1: That was Andrew Tompkins, a member of the Out of Sight Dragons, describing one of his earliest experiences on the keyboard. Hear more about Andrew's musical interest, his athletic experiences, and his volunteer efforts with blind and visually impaired individuals. This is episode four of the Out of Sight Dragons podcast. Here we are with Andrew Tompkins on episode four of the Out of Sight Dragons podcast. Thanks for doing this, Andrew. My pleasure. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How did you become involved with the Out of Sight Dragons?
0: Well, I started off actually with some friends at a happy hour that they sometimes hold down in Arlington. And I believe it was Regina Christofoli who first introduced me to the team, or at least talked about it with me. It really piqued my interest. Actually, it was her and uh, I believe Sarah Presley is another member of the team who has been on there for since it pretty much started it back in 2009. And so we were just discussing it, and I was like, hey, that sounds really neat, you know, with, with a, a bunch of blind folks in the boat and like that. And at that point, I had really nothing planned on my weekends. And so I thought, hey, this would be a really good activity to start doing.
1: And I will tell you, it's a workout as well. What year was it that you got involved?
0: I joined back in twenty. 20-
1: as I was just leaving college. And what was it like for you the first time you went to practice and got in the boat?
0: Looking back on it definitely was a new experience for me. Being in the boat itself and then learning
1: the paddling techniques was definitely a new thing for me. Did you have any involvement in athletics before getting involved with dragon boating?
0: Yes as a younger child probably up until about seventh grade for middle school I participated in what we call beatball and that's like a version of t-ball only it's all auditory the ball beeps as well as the bases that we go to and you also had you know a batter is up there so i was participating in that for 13 to 14 years have you been blind your whole life yes i have was born blind and so i was able to just sort of naturally adapt and have been up to this point Did you have any hobbies growing up? Oh, yes. Music was obviously a huge, huge thing of mine, and that was definitely my heaviest involvement. And I naturally am a piano player. I was able to pick up on that really quickly. The story that they always like to use, at least if somebody says, how did you start off like that? This is your parents? Yeah, my parents. It was one Christmas time back in probably 1993 or so. How old were you at that time? I was three years old because I was born in 1990. I don't remember the exact year. It was either 92 or 93, but one of the years we were going down to Florida to see my grandparents. And I had this little toy keyboard with me, you know, real small, like maybe 10 or 15 keys or so operated on AA batteries, and I was just sort of fooling around at first, but then my parents were like, Hey, Andrew, can you maybe play a tune or something? And this is sort of things probably may sound crazy, but they had the radio on the Christmas station, and I think the particular song that was playing was Jingle Bells. Well, I sort of stopped, I paused a little bit, and then started playing along with it, naturally, you know, what was on the radio, and my parents are going, He's playing Jingle Bells.
1: And you were two, at most, three years old. Yes.
0: That's when they were like, wow, this kid's got talent. He just picked it up right away. Did your parents sign you up for music lessons? Yeah, starting at about five or six years old when I was just going into kindergarten. And I had lessons from that point up until college. Do you know how to read music? I did read Braille music for a while. It does exist. I know it sounds kind of crazy because people are going to be wondering, how do you read Braille music? and play the piano at the same time. You physically can't. So I struggled with that for, I would say, probably three to four years. I think it's easier learning by ear, and that's how I always
1: started off. I just listen to a piece and just naturally pick it up. So the piano is the main instrument that you started playing and still play today. Yes. Do you play any other instruments?
0: I do play another instrument called the melodica, and I'm sure that people on the team have probably heard me and seen it before. I've brought it to some events. What is the melodica? It is a wind instrument. It has sort of the resemblance of a keyboard. It's got keys on it, but the difference is you provide the air through a mouthpiece that comes with it. You attach it to the side of the instrument, it looks like a little hose, and you blow into it, it looks like a whistle end, but it feeds into the instrument and you provide the air and the reeds that are inside it vibrate. And the different keys make different sounds while you're blowing the air. Exactly. So if you you know, know what an accordion looks like, I would say the difference with that is instead of you kind of just moving your hands to provide the air through the accordion pieces, we just use our mouth our, and our lungs. Did you study
1: music in college?
0: Oh yes, I majored in music performance, actually in particular jazz studies.
1: Where did you go to college?
0: Shenandoah University in Winchester,
1: Virginia. Was that a good experience?
0: Very much so. I participated in a full big
1: band, is what we call it, like jazz ensemble. There was probably 40 of us or so. You played the piano? Mm Mm-hmm. Are you creating original music today? I had created some original music back in June or so. What software do you use to create your music?
0: Apple's GarageBand has been definitely my go-to program. What I've enjoyed about GarageBand is the fact that you can expand your capabilities. I use what they call jam packs. Apple, I think, has so far made four different jam packs that allow you to really, really be able to expand your capabilities of what kind of music you produce. They have what they call world music, which has different sounding instruments from all over the world, from China to Africa to Mexico. They also have a second jam pack called Symphony Orchestra. It contains solo sounds as well as ensemble sounds for different instruments. That's my favorite one because I can almost create movie soundtrack
1: projects. Speaking of movie soundtrack type songs, can we listen to one of your songs?
0: Sure. One of the original compositions that I did was something I call Adventure. What I was picturing in my mind when I created this project was actually setting off on a cruise on a boat or a ship, you know, getting ready to go, and it's like, cool,
1: let's see what we can discover. Let's give a listen. That was a really nice song, Andrew.
0: I definitely enjoyed making the song for sure
1: is creating music an
0: emotional outlet for you very much yes at that particular time i guess i was just feeling a bit more you could say happy i suppose music for me just was and still is a very powerful thing because it allows me to express myself mood wise at the time
1: so not all your songs are as upbeat as the adventure song
0: no in fact the more recent one i did i'm not sure if you'd have time to listen to the second one as well but it's called depression and i have to say that i had been struggling with that for a long time and i was sort of thinking why don't i put that to some music you
1: know that song is a little bit longer than the adventure song but how about we play about a minute of a depression song sounds good let's take a listen okay And that was the song Depression by Andrew Tompkins. That's a much different song than the first one we played. You, oh yeah. You obviously have a wide variety of sounds that you're able to produce using the GarageBand program. Mm-hmm. Can you explain a little bit about how GarageBand works for those of us who are not musically inclined and have never sure. created music? There's so many different sounds and musical instruments going on in the two songs that we played. Oh yours. yeah, GarageBand, as I say, is
0: a a
1: music program
0: that works with the Mac and uh, iOS devices and like that. It's it is an Apple program strictly, but you can have a lot of fun with it and really what I do. How, how I'm able to create such a wide variety of music and sounds and like that is I also own an electric keyboard and you can work with it in conjunction with your Mac through what we refer to as MIDI, M-I-D-I. And it's, I believe it's like Musical Instrument Digital Interface is what the acronym stands for. And what that basically can do is through a USB connection through my particular keyboard and the Mac, it can communicate electronically whatever note I'm pressing. And on
1: the keyboard will go into the computer and trigger that note on whatever instrument I'm using. So you can play whatever note and then the gar- you tell the garage band, I want this to be a trumpet or a flute yep. or the mm-hmm. piano.
0: Yep, and I can set that up in the garage band track pane. What's really neat about it is the way I can make it sound like an entire orchestra there, especially with the adventure piece I'm sure, is you can create, I believe, up to 65 different tracks on it.
1: You're obviously an expert at interacting with the computer and we're actually here at the DC library branch downtown today mm-hmm. and I met you at a class that you helped teach to other blind people and what, what is that class that you helped to teach about? We have three different levels. We start with the beginners class that goes from about 10 to
0: 1115 and then we have an intermediate class from about 1130 to 1245
1: then from 2 to 315 is advanced level. And what are you teaching the folks that attend these classes?
0: Usually what we, what we try and do is, starting off with the beginner level, we explain everything about the computer itself. So the keyboard, all the hardware, the different kinds of ports that are with it, what you can use them for and what you can connect to. And then, once the students are comfortable with that particular concept, we move on to software and explain what that is. So like the JAWS screen reader is a software program. What we're using, I'm sure, for the podcast, Audacity, would be software programming another example of that, that's running inside the computer. We usually teach them that sort of thing, and also for hands-on, especially for folks who do better hands-on, we orient them to the different keyboard positions. So for example, home row, your A, S, D, F keys, and then on your right side, J, K, L, semicolon. So we get them oriented to that, and then once they're comfortable, then we can move up a row to the Q, W, E, R, T,
1: Y. Do you find it rewarding to do this volunteer work for other blind individuals? Oh,
0: very much. It's great just knowing it's able to boost their confidence when they were so shaky in the beginning. And just knowing knowing that I'm helping others is a rewarding experience in itself. It's not just for me, not just for my gain in life. It makes me feel good knowing that I'm making others feel good and knowing that I'm giving them a skill that they can use in, let's say, their workplace. It really boosts their confidence to where they can, let's say, write an email to their coworker, which they haven't been able to do before.
1: At times when you're feeling a little more on the downside, does the volunteer work help to boost your mood? Definitely.
0: Because it gets me out of my house, because I know if I'm obviously not very active, that's when I do tend to sort of feel more depressed. And so I think that if I can find myself something to occupy myself, it not only serves as as a distraction, but a very good alternative to get my thoughts off of that. You know, because a lot of times... I'm sure everybody's going to say, yeah, when you're active, you tend to feel a little bit better. If you're just sitting around at home
1: being lazy, you probably don't feel quite as good. Coming back to the Out of Sight Dragons, can you talk a bit about what it means to you to be a member of this team?
0: Being a member of the Out of Sight Dragons is just so huge because, again, even just like the the volunteer opportunities I do here at the library, it gives me something to do, and it's certainly a workout as well. But It's also great because it's socially rewarding. You get to talk to other blind folks and participate in races and like that. And you know, all the practices that we have on the weekends help to get us ready for the races. And so you get sort of that adrenaline going through you too. It's like, you know, that's this is cool. Let's 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 work harder. Being a part of the team is just so rewarding and again it it gives me something to do and certainly something that keeps me active and busy. Thank you so
1: much for doing this, Andrew. I really appreciate it.
0: My pleasure. My pleasure. It's great to uh, talk about this kind of thing.
1: It was great learning more about your life. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone.